Good afternoon, October 7th, 12.31 p.m. Um, I've decided after missing last week's episode to do a short reading of one of Edgar Allan Poe's classic short stories because, well, it's spooky season, it's October, and while most people recognize Frankenstein's, uh, or Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and Bram Stoker's Dracula and Maybe if you're a little more on the literate side or, you know, H.P. Lovecraft's Cthulhu stories and mythos, but I decided to read with me here from Edgar Allan Poe, which I think is a name most people should, I think, at least have heard once in their life, but I've got at least seven pages lined up for us here and a bunch of water. I'm probably only going to read one story. I don't think many people will care about this, but this is just um to make up for some lost content. So I'm going to begin, I guess. Nothing else to really say after whatever. <laughs> so let me just drink some water here. And let's get into it. <clears throat> A lot of intro pages about his life. I think it's very interesting who he was and why he's so popular in classic horror fiction. But the first story, or our story for today, or whatever you want to call it, is called Metzengerstein, which is probably German for something I don't know. But let's get into it. Horror and fatality have been stalking abroad in all ages. Why then give a date to the story I have to tell? Let it suffice to say that at the period of which I speak there existed, in the interior of Hungary, a settled although hidden belief in the doctrines of the met- <laughs> metempsychosis of the doctor of the doctrines themselves, that is, of their falsity or of their probability, I say nothing. I assert, however, that much of our incred- incredulity, as Le Bruyere says, all of our unhappiness, vient de ne pouvoir être seul. There's probably going to be a bunch of non-English things that I can't pronounce here, but <clears throat> but there was there were some points in the Hungarian superstition which were fast verging to absurdity. They, the Hungarians differed very essentially from their eastern authorities. For example, the soul, said the former, I give the words of an acute and intelligent Parisian. Persian? Parisian? Nedumir, Nedumur, Kuyun, Sulfa, Dan Unko, Sensible Aurest, Un Cheval, Un Chien, Un home mem nest que la resemble tangible de anima. <laughs> Excuse me. The families of Berlifsting and Mergen- Metzengerstein had been at variance for centuries. Never before were two houses so illustrious, mutually embittered by hospitality so deadly. The origin of this en- enmity 
seems to be found in the words of an ancient prophecy. A lofty name shall have a fearful fall when, as the rider over his horse, the, the morality of Metzengerstein shall triumph over the immortality of Berlifzing. To be sure, the words themselves had little or no meaning, but more trivial causes have given rise that no long while ago to consequences equally eventful. Besides, the estates which were contiguous had long exercised a rival influence in the, in the affairs of a busy government. Moreover, near neighbors are seldom friends, and the inhabitants of the castle Berlifzing might look from their lofty butchuses into the very widows of the palace Metzengerstein. The palace Metzengerstein. Least of all, had the more than feudal magnificence thus discovered a tendency to allay the irritable feelings of the less ancient and less wealthy Berlifzings. What wonder, then, that the words, however silly of that prediction, should have succeeded in setting and keeping at variance two families already predisposed to quarrel by every instigation of heredity jealousy. The prophecy seemed to imply, imply if it implied out anything, a final triumph on the part of the already more powerful house, and was of course remembered with the more bitter animosity by the weaker and less influential. Wilhelm, Kamper Lifzing, although lof loftily descended, was at the epoch or epoch of this narrative, an infirm and doting old man, remarkable for nothing but an inordinate and inver inverter <laughs> inverterate personal antipathy to the family of his rival, and so passionate a love of horses and of hunting that neither bodily infirmity great age nor mental incapacity prevented his daily participation in the dangers of the chase. Frederick, Baron Metzengerstein, was on the other hand not yet of age. His father, the minister G, died young. His mother, the Lady Mary, followed him quickly. Frederick was at the time in his 18th year in a city Eighteen years was no long period, but in a will, but in a wilderness, in so magnificent a wilderness, as that old principa principality, the pendulum vibrates with a deeper meaning. From some, <clears throat> from some peculiar circumstances attending the administration of his father, the young baron at the decease of the former entered, immediately upon his vast possessions. Such estates were seldom held before by a nobleman of Hungary. Hungary? I need to fix my pronunciation of that. His castles were without number. The chief in point of splendor and extent was the castle Metzengerstein. The boundary line of his dominions was, nearly, was never clearly defined, but his principal park embraced a circuit of 50 miles. Upon the succession of a proprietor so young, the character so well known, to a fortune so unparalleled, little speculation was afloat in regard to his probable course of conduct. Let me take a break here. <clears throat> and indeed, for the space of three days, the behavior of the heir, out 
Herod, Herod, and fairly surpassed the expectations of his most enthusiastic admirers. Shameful debaucheries or debaucheries, flagrant treacheries, unheard of atrocities. He was trembling vassals. I think that's supposed to be vessels or vassals. Quickly to understand that no servile submission on their part. No punctuous of conscience on his own. Where thenceforth, thenceforward, to prove any security against the remorseless fangs of a pretty Caligula. Yeah, Caligula. <laughs> on the night of the fourth day. The stables of the cats, castle Ber- Berlifzing were discovered to be on fire, and the unanimous opinion of the neighbor, the neighborhood added the crime of the incendiary to the house, to the already hideous list of the baron's misdemeanors and enormity. But during the tumult occasioned by this occurrence, the young nobleman himself sat apparently buried in meditation in a vast and desolate upper apartment of the family palace of Metzengerstein. The rich, although faded, tapestry hangings, which swung gloomily upon the walls, represented the shadowy and majestic forms of a thousand illustrious ancestors. Here, which reminds priests and pontifical dignitaries familiarly, familiarly seated with the autocrat and the sovereign, put a veto on the wishes of a temporal king, or restrained with the fiat of papal, Supremacy of Papa Supremacy, the rebellious scepter of the arch enemy. There, the dark, tall statues of the Princess Metzengerstein, her muscular workhorses plunging over the carcasses of fallen foes, started the steadiest nerves with their vigorous expressions. And here again, the voluptuous and swan like figures of the dames of days gone by floated oh, floated away in the mazes of an unreal dance to the strains of imaginary melody. But as the Baron listened, or affected to listen to the graduali- to the gradually increasing uproar in the stables of Berlifsing, or perhaps pondered upon some more novel, some more decided act of audacity, his eyes were un were his eyes turned unwittingly to the figure of an enormous an unnaturally colored horse, represented in the tapestries belonging to Saracen ancestor, to a Saracen ancestor of the family of his rival, the horse itself in the foreground of the design stood motionless and statue-like, while farther back its discomfited rider perished by the dagger of Metzengerstein. On Frederick's lips. On Frederick's lip arose a fiendish expression as he became aware of the direction which his glance had, without his consciousness assumed. Yet he did not remove it. On the contrary, he could by no means account for the overwhelming anxiety which appeared, falling like a pall upon his senses. It was with difficulty that he reconciled his dreamy and incoherent feelings with the certainty of being awake. The longer he gazed, the more absorbing became the spell, the more impossible did it appear that he could ever withdraw his glance from the fascination of the tapestry. But the tumult, without becoming suddenly more violent, with a compulsory with a compulsory exertion, he diverted his attention to the glare of ruddy light thrown 
I've already light thrown full by the flaming stables upon the windows of the apartment. <clears throat> the action, however, was but momentary. His gaze returned mechanically to the wall. To his extreme horror and astonishment, the head of the gigantic steed had, in the meantime, altered its position, the neck of the animal before arched, as if in compassion over the prostrate body of its lord was now extended at full length in the direction of the baron. The eyes before invisible now wore an energetic and human expression, while they gleamed with a fiery and, and unusual red, and the distended lips of the apparently enraged horse leapt in full view his sepulchral, <laughs> sepulchral and disgusting teeth. <clears throat> Stupefied with hor with terror, the young nobleman trotted to the door. As he threw it open, a flash of red light streaming far into the chamber flung his shadow with a clearer outline against the uh, quivering tapestry. And he shuddered to perceive that shadow as he staggered a while upon the threshold, assuming the exact position and precisely filling up the contour of the relentless and triumphant murder of the Saracen Berlitzing. To lighten the depression of his spirits, the Baron hurried into the open air. At the principal gate of the palace, he encountered three equerries with much difficulty, and at the imminent peril of their lives, they were restraining the compulsive plunges of a gigantic and fiery-colored horse. Whose horse? Where did you get him? demanded the youth in a querulous and husky tone, as he became instantly aware that the mysterious steed in the tapestried chamber was the very counterpart of the furious animal before his eyes. <clears throat> he is your own property, sire, replied one of the equerries. At least he is claimed by no other owner. We caught him flying, all smoking and foaming with rage from the burning stables of the castle Berlipsing. Supposing him to have belonged to the old Count's stud and foreign horses, we let him back as an astray. But the grooms were disclaim any title to the creature, which is strange since he bears evident marks of having made a narrow escape from the flames. The letters WVB are also branded very distinctly on his forehead, interrupted a second equerry. Equerry. I suppose them, of course, to be the initials of Wilhelm von Berlifsing. But all that, but all at the castle are positive in denying any knowledge of the horse. Extremely singular," said the young baron, with a musing air and apparently unconscious of the meaning of his words. "He is, as you say, a remarkable horse, a prodigious, prodigious, yeah, prodigious horse. Although, as you very justly observed, of a suspicious and untractable character. Let him be mine, however." Let him be mine. However, he added after a pause, perhaps a rider like Frederick of Metzengerstein may tame even the devil from the stables of Berlipsing. You are mistaken, my lord. The horse, as I... You are mistaken, my lord. The horse, as I think we mentioned, is not from the stables of the Count. If such had been the case, we know our duty better than to bring him to, into the presence of a noble of your family. True, observed the baron. Dryly and at the instant of page 
and that the and that in that instant of a page of bedchamber came from the palace with a heightened color or a precipit precipitate step I need to slow down. <clears throat> he whispered into the baron into the master's ear an account of the sudden disappearance of a small portion of the tapestry in an apartment which he des uh, designated entering at the same time into particulars of a matter and circumstantial character. But from the low tone of the voice in which these latter were communicated, nothing escaped the gratify nothing ex escaped escaped to gratify the excited curiosity of the equerries. The young Frederick, during the conference, seemed agitated by a variety of motions. He soon, however, recovered his composure and an expression of determined malignancy settled upon his countenance. As he gave permeptory orders that the apartment in question should be immediately locked up and the key pal placed in his own possession. <clears throat> Have you heard of the unhappy death of the old hunter, Berlifzing? said one of the vassals to the baron. As after the departure of the page, the huge steed with that nobleman had adopted as his own, plunged and curveted with redoubled fury down the long avenue which extended from the palace to the stables of Medzengerstein. No, said the baron, <laughs> turning abruptly towards the speakers. Dead, you say you? It is indeed true, my lord, and to a noble of your name will be, I imagine, no unwelcome intelligence. A rapid smile shot over the countenance of the listener. How died he? In his rash exertions to rescue a favorite portion of his hunter, of his hunting stud, he has himself perished miserably in the flames. Indeed, ejaculated the baron, as if slowly and deliberately impressed by, with the truth of some exciting idea. Indeed, repeated the vassal. Shocking, said the youth, calmly and turned quietly into the palace. From this date, marked alteration took place in the outward demeanor of the desol of the desolate <laughs> desolate young baron frederick von metzengerstein indeed his behavior disappointed every expectation and proved little in accordance with the views of many a maneuvering mama <laughs> while his habits and manners still less than formerly offered anything congenial with those of the neighboring aristocracy, he was never to be seen beyond the limits of his own domain, and in his wide and social world was utterly companionless, unless, indeed, that unnatural, impetuous, and fiery-colored horse, which he henceforth, which he henceforward continually bestrode, had any mysterious right to the title of his friend. <clears throat> My chair do be squeaking. <laughs> Numerous invitations on the part of the neighborhood, for a long time, however, periodically came in. Will the baron honor our festivals with his presence? Will the baron join us in hunting of the boar? Metzengerstein does not hunt. Metzengerstein will not attend. With the haughty and laconic answers, these repeated insults were not to be endured by an imperious nobility. Such inventions became less cordial, less frequent in time. They ceased altogether. Okay, we're on page nine. There's like 
two pages left. Better kick up. We're already at 20 minutes and I... <laughs> Wait, why do I only have... I only have 10 minutes left on this. <clears throat> the widow of the unfortunate Count Berlifsing was even heard to express a hope that the Baron might be at home when he did not wish to be at home, since he disdained the company of his equals, and ride when he did not wish to ride, since he preferred the society of a horse. This, to be sure, was a silly, ex was a very silly explosion of heredity peak, and merely proved how singularly unmeaning our sayings are apt to become when we desire an unusually energetic, unusually energetic, when we desire to be unusually energetic. The charitable, nevertheless, attributed the alteration in the conduct of the young nobleman to the natural sorrow of a son, for the ultimate, for the untimely loss of his parents. Forgetting, however, his atrocious and reckless behavior during the short period immediately succeeding the berev bereavement, some there were indeed who suggested a too haughty idea of self-conscious indignity. Others again, among whom maybe mentioned to the mentioned the family physician, did not hesitate in speaking of more or of morbid melancholy and heredity ill, ill health, while dark hints of a more Equiv equivocal nature were current among the multitude. Indeed, the baron's per <laughs> perverse attachment to his lately acquired charger, an, atta an attachment which seemed to attain new strength from every flesh example of the animal's ferocious and demonic-like <laughs> propensities, propensities at length, became in the eyes of all in all of all reasonable men a hideous and unnatural fervor in the glare of noon at the dead hour of night in sickness or in health in calm or in tempest the young metzengerstein seemed riveted to the sad to the saddle of that colossal horse whose intractable audacity so well accorded with his own spirit there were circumstances moreover which coupled with late events gave an unearthly and portentous character to the mania of the rider into the capabilities of the steed. The space passed over in a single leap had been accurately measured and was found to exceed by, exceed by an astounding difference the wildest expectations of the most imaginative. The Baron, besides, had no particular name for the animal. Although all the rest in his collection were distinguished by characteristic appellations, his stable, too, was appointed at a distance from the rest, and with regard to grooming, and other necessary offices, none but the owner in person had ventured to officiate. <clears throat> God. <laughs> I hate rushing, but like, I'm scared I'm not going to be able to finish in time and then talk a little piece about it afterward. Or even to enter the enclosure of that horse's particular stall. It was also to be observed that although the three grooms who had caught the steed as he fled from the conflagration of Berlifsing had succeeded in arresting his course by means of a chain bridle and noose, yet no one of the three could with any certainty affirm that he had, during that dangerous struggle or at any period thereafter, actually placed his hand upon the body of the beast. Instances of peculiar intelligence in the demeanor of a noble and high-spirited horse are not to be supposed capable of exciting unreasonable attention but there were certain circumstances which intruded themselves per force upon the most skeptical and phlegmatic, phlegmatic and 
and it is said there were times when the animal caused the gaping crowd who stood around to recoil in horror from the deep and impressive meaning of his terrible stamp. Times when the young Metzengerstein turned pale and shrunk away from the rapid and searching expression of his earnest and human-looking eye. <clears throat> Among all of the retinue of the Baron, however, none were found to doubt the ardor of that extraordinary affection which existed on the part of the young nobleman for the fiery qualities of his horse, at least. None but an insignificant and mishappen little page, whose deformities were in everybody's way, and whose opinions were of the least possible importance, he, if his ideas are worth mentioning at all, had the effrontery to assert that his master never vaulted into the saddle without an unaccountable and almost imperceptible shudder, and that, upon his return, from every long-continued and habitual ride, an expression of triumph, malignity, of triumph and malignity disordered every muscle in his countenance. One tempestuous night, Betzengerstein, awakened from heavy slumber, descended like a maniac from his chamber, and mounting in hot haste, bounded away into the mazes of the forest. An occurrence so common attracted no particular attention. But his return was looked for with intense anxiety on the part of his domestics. When after uh, when after some hours' absence, the stupendous and magnificent battlements of the palace Metzengerstein were discovered cracking and rocking to their very foundation, under the influence of a dense and livid mass of ungovernable fire. Just trying to move some stuff out of the way. <clears throat> As the flames, when first seen, had already made so terrible a progress that all efforts to save any portion of the building were evidently futile, the astonished neighborhood stood idly around in, silent, in silence. If not apathetic wonder, but a new and fearful object soon riveted the attention of the multitude and proved how much more intense is the excitement wrought in the feelings of a crowd by the contemplation of human agony. Than that brought upon, than that brought about by the most appalling spectacles of an inanimate matter. Upon the long avenue of aged oaks, which led from the forest to the main entrance of the palace Metzengerstein, a steed bearing an unbonneted and disordered rider was seen leaping with an impetuosity, impetuosity, which outstripped the very demon of the tempest. The career of the horseman was indisputably on his own part uncontrollable. The agony of his countenance and convulsive struggle of his frame gave evidence of superhuman exertion, but no sound, save a solitary shriek, escaped from his lacerated lips, which were bitten through and through in the intensity of terror. One instant, and the clattering of hooves resounded sharply and shrilly above the roaring of the flames and the shrieking of the winds. Another, and clearing at a single plunge of the gateway in the moat, the steed bounded far up the trottering, up the tottering staircases of the palace, and with its rider disappeared amid the whirlwind of the chaotic fire. The fury of the tempest immediately died away, and a dead calm sullenly succeeded. A white flame still enveloped the building like a shroud, and streaming far away into the quiet atmosphere, shot forth a glare of 
preternatural light, while a cloud of smoke settled heavily over the battlements in the distinct colossal figure of a horse. Now there's some end notes here. I don't think that's important, but as I have been, I've been reading mindlessly through this story, so I'm probably going to have to reread it to really understand what just happened. But from my very, I guess, rushed account of remembering the story, it seems like the main baron was like an incarnation of his old ancestor. And now there's sirens in my background. <laughs> mm. And this took a lot longer than I thought, but hey, if you liked this reading, email me at askcatharsis and just notify me. Maybe you'd like to see another story or sometime in the future. We will have a episode coming this October 9th. So in two days, Friday, October 7th, this has been me, Angel, and happy Halloween. <laughs>